some kind of experience somewhere with God, whatever it may or may not have been, and deep inside they know something is not exactly right. But they want to hold on to that. And I'm going to tell you, I'd rather ride my embarrassment in the horns of the altar to heaven than ride my pride to hell and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass myself like that. Um, you don't know how much I've thought about you this week, Brother Jeremy, and how wonderful uh, it just it, it was to see that. I was standing here, and I, you know, different people were coming to the altar, and I was praying with them, and he, I saw him coming, he got about right there, and he motioned for me, and I thought, I could tell he was upset. I thought, man, something's wrong. And he knelt down, and he said, I gotta get saved. Uh, I didn't, I, you know, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, but I'll be honest with you, I wasn't entirely shocked. He said, what do you mean? I said, because of what I just said. Yeah. Our churches are full of lost people. Let me ramble just for a second. We're gonna get into the message. I went it was blessed, a conference I've been wanting to go to for a long time out just outside of Cincinnati this year. Finally got to go this year. Starts at Thursday afternoon and ends Saturday uh, around noon, actually. And I picked this up while I was there. And a, a guy uh, was giving these away. Can everybody see this? Now, you'll find different statistics like this. Some of them will range just a little bit in the ages, the way that they group, the ages, the way they group the percentages, but overall, this is fairly accurate. About any way you cut it or arrange it or gauge it, this is a pretty accurate assessment of salvation. Some people take it up into the 20s, which brings this number, you know, changes these two numbers a little bit. But uh, the point I'm making is this. You're how old, Jeremy? Right there. You're in the 4 percentile according to this chart. 4%. Most people get saved when they're younger because their heart is softened. They've not been programmed to believe the world's lies. And um, I just wanted to show you that this morning before I preach and, and say, you hear me say this, uh, the greatest miracle you're ever going to experience is somebody getting saved. Uh, Romans chapter 8, we'll finish up Romans chapter 8 this morning. I was going to move on to somewhere else after this, and I still might, I'm still deciding, but um, Romans chapter 8, as you know, we've been preaching from there for the last few weeks, except last week we went to Deuteronomy. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, I know we overlapped verse 31 from last couple weeks ago and this week, there's reasons that I am. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Is everybody there? Sound like most pages was turning. The Bible says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now remember, he just told us about how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Uh, he told us how that the Spirit knows what's in our hearts and what's in God's heart and what is the will of God for our life. And he also knows our will. And unfortunately, a lot of the times it doesn't line up with God's will. Um, then he goes on to tell us in verse 28, as you know, that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then he tells us how that we're predestinated to be conformed to the image, how we're glorified, how we're justified, how we're called. We talked about that last week. 
And so he went through all those things and he makes a statement. What shall we say then to these things? I mean, what are you going to put against us? How are you going to put a railing accusation against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Clearly, if God has already claimed those things in our lives, he's for us. Amen. That's obvious. And he goes on to say, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. It rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Notice the questions in that verse. As it is written, notice the statements. Now, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I have that verse memorized. That's one of my favorite go-to verses in the Bible. Verse 38, he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so blessed to be able to call on you again. And Lord, we just thank you, Holy Father, that uh, we often say when we pray, God, I'm just so thankful that I have you they're present with me at all times. Lord, you said you never leave us, you never forsake us, and truly, God, you've kept every promise you've ever made to us. I ask you this morning, please be with me. Help me to preach this message to honor you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you lead me and guide me this morning. I'm yours. Use me as you see fit. God, however you choose for this to go this morning, I'm okay with because it's yours. Empty me myself, Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me and guide my mind and my thoughts and my words. Lord, we need you, God, every hour, every minute, every second of our life, not just now, but all the time. Touch hearts as needed, and God, help me to let you preach, not me. In Jesus, your name we pray, amen. Now, uh, as I've been telling you through this, chapter eight of the book of Romans is absolutely some of my a favorite reading. It's one of the greatest chapters, I think, in the Word of God. Um, there's other verses in other places. And uh, last week, I know uh, for Pastor Appreciation, we did a little survey, and I was asked what my favorite book of the Bible is, and I said Philippians. Um, for the most part, that's still correct. Uh, Romans would be a very tight, close, tied for a couple more with a second. Um, but here we have went through this, this chapter 8 of Romans and if you go back and read the previous chapters, it looks hopeless, it looks helpless. Man is in a helpless, hopeless state. Uh, we have no way uh, to change anything about our lives, about how we are depraved and how we're broken before God and how we have no chance to escape uh, the sin penalty that's placed upon us because of our sins. So yeah, I like to blame Adam and Eve too. Uh, but the bottom line is, it's my sin as well. So, uh, let me say this. Of all the things we'll ever face in life, let me go in and assure you, Jesus is enough. Amen. He's enough to go through it with you. He's more than enough. Amen. He's all that you need and then some. Uh, he's not gonna run out of grace. He's not gonna run out of power. He's not gonna run out of answers. He's not gonna run out of time. He's not gonna run out of patience. With, he's not gonna run out of anything. He's more than enough. Amen. By the way, that's the title. Um, 
And in one sense, you could say he is our big brother that cares more than any, any big brother ever could. Uh, there's times it's nice to have a big brother. Uh, some of you can understand that some of you never had a brother, some of you never had a sister. Uh, I will confess to you, I have one older brother. Growing up, this is no reflection of mom and dad. They did their best. God help them. But we could not sit in the same room together as teenagers. We'd be in an argument in seconds. And we didn't get along very good. Thankfully, through the years, we learned to grow to love each other and have a relationship. And I know some people who have brothers and sisters that says absolutely they were their best friend growing up. They didn't argue, they didn't quarrel, they look out for each other, they're very tight, and thank God for that. I wish it was more like that in my life, but it wasn't. But I, nevertheless, we are where we are. But let me assure you, Jesus is the kind of big brother that will always take care of you. Amen. He will always be there for you. And he'll protect you and guide you and direct you and give you the advice you need that maybe nobody else can give you. We look for fulfillment in all kinds of places in this world and Jesus is the only place you're going to really find him. So let me get into this because we got a lot to do this morning and, and get preached to you here and, and we got some baptisms to do and go home and eat some food. So I read to you verse 31, kind of expounded on that a little bit. Verse 32, he says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well, let me tell you that with God Almighty in your life, uh, that you have the greatest uh, thing in life there is to have. You have the most wonderful thing. You have the most wonderful gift. Let me say it like this. Number one, God gave us his crowning jewel. There's no other higher gift that God could have given us. It's almost like he started at the top and said, and everything falls underneath Jesus, but you say, I'm going to give you the greatest gift of all right at the top. And let me tell you, the rest of them under that are not disappointing at all. There's no disappointment in nowhere in that. He gave the best he had. And we can say it like this. Uh, this is from another a commentary. Uh, sometimes I like to cheat, make y'all think that I'm that smart, but this time I'm going to let you know the commentator was that smart. Um, he says that, who shall bring a charge against the chosen ones of God? Who will bring or hurl an accusation against the elect, the called out? That's you and I, if you're born again, Amen. of God. To confront them to eternal harm, one would first have to confront Jesus and God. In other words, in order for uh, Satan or anything, anyone else to bring an eternal accusation against you, they got to go through your big brother first. Amen. And let me tell you, nothing or nobody can get through him. Nothing or nobody can make it through him to get to you. In order to get to you, they got to go through him. Amen. Thank God I've got that hope and that promise. Yes. He's loving. Yes. We're part of God's elect. Uh, who would dare or succeed uh, to bring some kind of uh, accusation against us once we are saved against your salvation? Satan attempts to lay accusation against the saints before God, but Christ, our judge, our advocate, our intercessor, Cetra stands in the gap. He protects us. God gave us the crowning jewel for our salvation and anything greater than that cannot be found in the universe nowhere, no way, no how. He started at the top. So God gave us his crowning jewel. And with that, 
He said he delivered him up for us all. Do you understand when it says he delivered him up? That he gave Jesus entirely, totally over to the smiters, the Bible says. Jesus gave his back to the smiters. He gave himself to the enemy and basically said, here am I, do as you will. It's basically what he said for our sins. All about you. But that's a pretty good savior, you ask me. Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Do you not think he's going to give you anything else you need if he gave you the crowning jewel to start with? The greatest need you and I had was salvation, was forgiveness. And God gave the greatest gift he had to achieve that for you and I so we could have a one-on-one personal relationship with God. Do you not think if he gave the greatest heaven had that he's not going to give you everything else you need to succeed in the Christian life and to make this life successful for his honor and his glory, not yours, not your comfort, not your uh, whatever, but for his glory and honor. And let me go ahead and tell you this real quickly. If you'll submit to his will and do it for his glory and honor, you might find out you enjoyed it a lot more than what you think you would. There might be a few thorns in the flowers, but let me tell you, you're going to have some sweet roses if you'll do things his way. You'll have blessings you never dreamed you would have. He'll do things for you, take you places that you never envisioned that was even remotely possible. Thank God for what he's able to do. Verse 33 said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. We've a little bit covered this, but we're going to cover a little bit more. Verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? Yea, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh the intercession for us. Do you understand that because of Jesus, nobody else can lay claim to you and I? Once you are born again, they can't lay claim that our sins are forgiven because Jesus is the one that died and risen again and he's the one that justified us and forgave us. Nobody can change that. So number one, he gave us our crowning jewel. Number two, no one can break eternal charges of sin against you. Now that doesn't mean you can't have charges against you of sin in this life. You've heard me say that. Many times, let me make this very clear. Your eternal redemption is sealed and fixed with salvation. Your relationship with God, the fellowship with God is up to you. And as you go your way and allow sin to overtake your life in this life, you will pay the price for that. Jesus paid the price for the fixing the, the, the gap that was between us and God. He fixed the broken relationship. He fixed the sin problem as far as God's eyes looking at us and us looking to God. But the relationship, the fellowship, I mean, is up to you and I. And that is something, a whole nother different message. But let me tell you real quickly. If you think you're going to go through this life playing around with sin and dabbling in sin here and there and think that there's no harm in it, friend, you're sadly mistaken. No matter how harmless you try to make it, no matter how much you downplay it or want to justify it or say it's okay, I'm not hurting anyone, you're hurting Jesus. I'd say that matters. You know, 
you're an only child. And Papa spoiled you to no end because you was the only child. Can I get an amen? I know, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just telling what everybody already knows. And Papa wouldn't let anything happen to his buddy. Do you not think Jesus is not going to let anything happen to you outside of his will? Listen, he will protect you better than any Papa or brother ever can or ever could. You know one reason why Papa Dennis spoiled Craig? It's because he loved him. Now I'm going to be mean. Here's the flip side. In Papa Dennis's eyes, Craig could not do wrong. If he went outside and choked Dennis's prized chicken to death, somehow that chicken deserved it. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not picking on you. I'm using you for an illustration. Jesus will find fault with you choking the prized chicken to death. You won't get by with sin in the eyes of Jesus. I don't know why I'm on this. This wasn't part of the message. Friends, church, listen. God gave... I mean, you think of the most prized possession you could have in your life that you're the most least willing to even remotely share. God took not just share to that prized possession. He gave him entirely over to the world for you and I. That should mean something to us. That should affect us for him. God is so good, we need to see him as good and everything he's got is good. Listen, the eternal charges of sin was fixed for you and I, but the relationship, the fellowship, I mean, I don't. the relationship was fixed by God, but the fellowship is up to us. Jesus will be there to defend us when Satan brings railing accusations, when he hurls insults. Jesus will defend us. But let me ask you a question. Are you defending the fellowship with God? Amen. Are you defending the fellowship with Jesus? You see, in God's eyes, we're already justified, glorified, and forgiven. That's what I'm saying. The eternal side of things is fixed. But how about here on earth? No one can bring eternal charges against us. It's your fellowship where it needs to be. He said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. If God justified me, there's no one higher court to change that. I'm amazed at how our senators can pass a law and a judge who is supposed to judge the law that's made will turn around, slam his mallet, and undo that law. That's not constitutional, by the way. It's not supposed to be that way. Do you really? I'm getting, yeah, it's okay to preach politics in church. They did back in the turn of the century, back when the revolution was taking place. I'm not going to crawl in a hole to suit people. Our judicial system, I'm sorry, Jeremy, I'm trying. It's so far out of whack in these days. It is pitiful. The most powerful people in our country is the Supreme Court because what they say, that's it, and there's no checks. There's no balances. Why should that be? In God's kingdom, there's checks and balances in his word for you and I. He gave us his word so we can check and balance him and we, he can check and balance us. You say, I don't need to 
check on God. The reason I say that is because he proves everything he promised he can back up. There's no higher court to go to than God. There's nobody that can lay anything against us. They can't bring it to a court and say, look, here's the charges against them. God looks down and says, I see the blood. If you're saved. If you're not saved, Satan's got no reason to bring a rebellion accusation against you because you're already condemned. Thank God he rose again. Verse 35, he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. What he's saying here is, is, is understand, when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, do you realize they were being cast into the Colosseum, eaten, torn apart by lions, uh, uh, crucified, beheaded, uh, chased down, killed, stomped by horses, on and on it goes, impaled, made public examples out of. Hey, do you realize what they were facing? You and I don't face those things. It's no wonder he wrote those things. But no matter how hard the tribulation gets, no matter how severe the persecution may come, no matter how dim or or lonely or weak or horrible the situation may look, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ that is in you, that he has for you. Nothing will ever change that. Thank God nobody can take me away from him. It's amazing to me how God loves me. Even in broken fellowship, he still loves me. I don't want broken fellowship with him. Now some people's wired different than me. I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna give point number, next point, whichever one it is. I think three here, just a minute. Then, When there's somebody that I care about, and that includes pretty much everybody in this church, Ever, let me rephrase that. Everybody in this church, Amber gets on me because I say pretty good. I said, honey, it's just a male expression. Does this look good on me? Yeah, you look pretty nice. Just pretty nice? No, you look gorgeous, baby. I just say, that's just, that's just my way of saying good. Everybody, not pretty much everybody because I don't want women going out and saying, did you hear what he said? He didn't include me. I wonder who he's talking about. I'm joking, kind of. Um, When there's something between me and someone else, I don't handle it very good. I've learned to better through the years. But if there's broken fellowship, I'm troubled in my spirit until I get something figured out in that. I find out why or I get it fixed. Whatever the case may be, I, can't, I don't deal with it very good because I don't have freedom to talk to them like I want to. Jesus has given us reason after reason after reason to come to him with broken fellowship. I could give you verse after verse after verse to back this up. I don't know, I'm not count, I've not looked lately. I thought I knew, but I heard... Pastor Roger Polly, that's Scott Polly's dad. He said, that's how I'm known now, Scott Polly's dad. He's no longer just Roger Polly. He's Scott Polly's dad. He said, 
Over 3,000 times it's written in the Bible, the word come. I'd say God's pretty serious about it. Come to me, come to me. Just like I said a few weeks ago, I read this. I daily take a shower. Do you know why? Well, because I'm decaying. And if I go three or four days without taking a shower, I'm going to come to church and give every one of you a great big hug. (laughs) Deal? Some of you shaking your head no. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. If I need a shower to get clean and should do that, if I need to go to Jesus to get clean, shouldn't I do it? I'm not going to refuse the shower or be afraid of the shower because I need to be clean. I'm going to Jesus because I need to get clean. Daily. So number three, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. I kind of did this one backwards. Do you realize he's given us complete victory? that we give away that technically can't be snatched away. And let me rephrase that a little bit. He's given us salvation victory that can't be snatched away. Your salvation is secured. You're secured in Holy Spirit. He he has got you wrapped up. He fixed that. He took care of that. It's the fellowship that we give away sometimes. We trade sin for fellowship with Jesus. We're more than conquerors through Jesus. Number three. So he gave us his crowning jewel. No one can bring eternal charges and we're more than conquerors. Do you realize the Bible says in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now let me say this real quickly and I'll move on. Let's go back to what I was talking about the Romans, what they lived in. All they had to do was claim to be Christian and Nero the emperor took after them. Now let me say this. And, I, and maybe that's why God led me to mention the Supreme Court thing. I don't know. In this country, our Constitution almost anymore has checks and balances so no one particular person or persons has complete authority and power. It's supposed to be that way. Nero had no checks or balances. What he said went. And that's the end of it. Now they had a Senate that was supposed to help keep that, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't working effectively, kind of like ours today. Um, so Nero hated Christians. So keep in mind, when Paul said, nay, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, keep in mind what they were going through. Remember who received this letter. This letter was written to the Romans who was under severe life and death persecution just for saying, I am a Christian. Meant you was cast into the Colosseum, they turn lions loose, and they chase you around the Colosseum till they rip you to shreds. Or they put the gladiators out there, they give you a little pocket knife, and they got shields and swords, and you fight to the death. That's fair, isn't it? A little leather strap or something's what you got to fight with, if you got anything. 
it's easy for us to look at verses like this and apply it to our life, but when you put it in context of who the recipient of the letter was, doesn't it change the meaning just a little bit? And it should give you a little more richer meaning to realize the importance of this letter and how deep the depth of these words. What if something happens in our country soon that people come into our church and they say, we've heard you preach against homosexuality. We've heard you preach against transgender. We've heard you preach against our government. Which side are you on? By the way, don't be surprised if that doesn't happen sometime soon. They're doing it in Canada. Canada's not very far from here. And they're pushing for it in California. Let me go tell you, whatever happens to California, give her time, friend. She's coming east. All right, lastly, and I'm done. We've got to get a baptism going here. He says in verse 38. He reiterates and includes even more statements. He said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in other words, here's what Paul says. Number four, he says, We have a complete list of things that can't separate us from Jesus. So we have the um, crowning jewel. We've got no eternal charges. We're more than conquerors. And we've got a complete list of everything. I mean, basically, Paul says, let me go ahead and word it a few more ways. And let me make sure I leave nothing out. I'm going to word it so there's nothing left. He could have just said anything and everything, but he took the time by the leadership of the Holy Spirit to detail some things that cannot separate us from the love of Jesus in our hearts. Jesus will never stop loving you no matter what you do or don't do. He will love you. It's an unconditional love. I didn't say he'd be pleased, but he'll love you. He'll invite you back. He's constantly calling for you. He's constantly desiring a fellowship with you. Why else would someone go through what he went through? There had to be a reason. He loves you and I so much. I agree, baby. He covered everything by name that can't touch the love of Jesus he has for us. You and I need to take comfort in knowing that Jesus loves you and accepts you just as you are. I said this in the beginning. Let me say it again, and I'm done with this, with this statement and this story. You need to quit trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in anything else but Jesus because you're not going to find it. It's not there. It might bring some temporary relief. It might bring a thrill. It might bring a jolt. It might bring this or that, but it's not going to last but a few moments. Jesus is the only thing I've ever found that completely satisfies me, yet leaving me wanting more. Now explain that. Jesus is the only way to explain it. He's more than enough. Has anybody ever heard the song, Just As I Am? I'd say about everybody has. you know the story behind that song? Some of you do, some of you probably don't. Let me tell you real briefly the story behind that song. 
A lady was in a wheelchair. She was crippled and she was bitter about life because she was in that situation. She threw fits all the time and she, I mean, she was horrible to live around. And one afternoon, the family invited the pastor over and she went into one of her rampages, threw into one of her fits and basically everybody got up one by one and started leaving and the only two people left sitting there was her and the preacher. And he looked at her and said, look at yourself. You've run everybody off. I've nobody to help you now. He said, you're all alone. You threw your fit. He said, you, you let, your, let your frustration be known. He said, now you've got no help. And he wasn't being cruel or mean, but he put her in the situation she was in. Right. Plain and simple. And then he finally looks at her and, he's, and he gives her the gospel, starts giving her the gospel, and he said, God will take you just as you are. She said, in this broken state, with my helplessness, with all my anger, all my bitterness, and my hatred for the way I am, he'll take me just as I am. He said, yes, he will. Just as you are. God will take you. Just as you are. Thank God. He takes us just as we are. Guess who wrote that song? That lady wrote that song. You can Google it. It ain't hard to find. The story will be right there. Just put story behind just as I am and it will come up. Just as you are, he'll take you. He loves you. He cherishes you. Would he have died for you if he didn't? Would the Bible say these things if he didn't? I may not be facing the Colosseum today. You and I aren't facing what the Romans were facing. But we face our problems that are just as big to us as those were to them. Now, realistically, they're probably not. But because we, what we have faced is as big as what we know to face, it is as big to us as it is them. Thank God he's more than enough. What do you need him for today to be more than enough? What is it that's there that he needs to be more than enough for you? As we all stand, we get a song, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I haven't done this in a